0: Welcome to How Do You Write. I'm your host, Rachel Herron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 389 of How Do You Write. I'm Rachel Herron. I am so thrilled that you're here with me today as we are talking to Ashley Wilda. This is a fantastic interview, and we talk about... Being fully immersed in a scene. And we talk about writing the story that you're actually meant to tell. We talk about fear. Oh, it's a good one. And I'm not going to give any more of an intro for this because I'm going to be pushing out some episodes that have been just lying around. I need to catch up, I've got a backlog of interviews. And I am tired of always feeling behind for these authors who come on the show and then their episodes don't come out for months. So I'm going to be pushing out extra episodes every once in a while. And this is one of them. So here is Ashley's bio. Ashley Wilda is an author living in Eastern Virginia. She particularly enjoys writing young adult fiction and poetry, but loves reading any work whose words sing and whisper magic to the reader. Her debut novel, The Night Fox, A YA magical realism tale written in poetry and prose comes out with Penguin Random House like this week. In addition to writing, she loves rock climbing, exploring the mountains, creating art for her company, Wild Things Company, and adventuring with her husband and rescue pup. Please enjoy this interview, folks, and we'll talk soon. Do you wonder why you're not getting your creative work done? Do you make a plan to write and then fail to follow through again? Well, my sweet friend, maybe you'd get a lot out of my Patreon. Each month, I write an essay on living your creative life as a creative person, which is way different than living as a person who binges Netflix 20 hours a week, and I have lived both of those ways, so I know. You can get each essay and access to the whole back catalog of them for just a dollar a month, which is an amount that really, truly helps support me at this here writing desk. If you pledge at the $3 level, you'll get motivating texts from me that you can respond to. And if you pledge at the $5 a month level, you get to ask me questions about your creative life that I'll answer in the mini episodes. So basically, I'm your mini coach. Go to patreon.com slash Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L, to get these perks and more. And thank you so much. Well, I couldn't be more pleased to welcome you to the show. Will you please give us your name and your pronouns?
1: Yes, my name is Ashley Wilda, and my pronouns are she, her.
0: Thank you, Ashley. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to talk to you about The Night Fox, which is one of those delicious combinations of poetry and prose, and it's coming out this year, and it'll be your first trad-published book. Is that right? Yep, that's correct. How are you feeling about
1: it? Oh, my. Um, (laughs) Over the moon but also like, it's not going to feel real until I'm holding it in my hands.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. And it's going to feel so good. And it's so exciting. And I'm so happy to be part of your, your press and media journey. Let's talk about the writing itself. Cause this is a show about pro- uh, process and um, product, how it all gets made. How, how do you get the writing done? What does your writing process look like?
1: So, my writing process is a little bit odd. Yay, I love be, odd. <laughs> I tend to be a sprinter. Yeah. I get really focused and I write and I write and I write and I write. And then I don't write for a long time. And then I jump back in. And it's one of those things that um, I like about my process, but also I'm working on figuring out how to work writing more consistently into my everyday life for a more sustainable practice. <laughs>
0: I, I totally hear that. I really, I really like how you called it sprinting. You know, binging is the other word that writers sometimes use for that, which I think has some negative connotations. Um, but, but, um, I'm a big fan of Becca Syme and sometimes she says like, some people are just sprinters as you are. Like we all kind of want to be the thing that we're not. We all want curly hair. If we want, if we have straight hair, how does sprinting fit into your life? Does it leave you exhausted? Does it leave you happy? What does it do?
1: Well, often I find that I'll enter into a sprint with a, a goal in mind, like finishing the draft or revising the section or whatever. So I often find that um, I'm really good at hyper-focusing. Mm. So when I'm done, I have a sense of satisfaction because I feel like I finished something, Um I just was diagnosed with ADHD as an adult like a month or so ago. And all of a sudden, so many things about my writing process for my whole life make sense. <laughs> yes.
0: What has that um long time diagnosis, first time caller? Um, what has that diagnosis done for your for the way you look at yourself and your process in the past? What has that changed?
1: Oh. Well, um, as I'm sure a lot of other people that got diagnosed later in life felt, um, there were so many things that I think I thought were personality flaws or you know things that I didn't understand why I couldn't do it the standard way. Like mm-hmm. why I couldn't write a thousand words every day at 7 a.m. for eternity. Like my brain just doesn't work like that, but I wish it would. And I yeah. think in the past I thought, oh, well, you're just not disciplined enough or you're just not whatever enough. And instead I'm learning like, okay, no, my brain actually functions differently. And maybe I need to work with my instinctual process to find something that actually works for my brain.
0: (laughs) Oh, that makes me so happy. Have you learned, and I know I'm putting you on the spot with these questions, but have you learned anything since the diagnosis that does work with your brain in terms of writing?
1: Well. I got this diagnosis a few weeks ago. (laughs) Ah, So it's all brand new. It's all brand new. I still feel like I'm in the aha phase, Mm -hmm. but the one thing that I have noticed is um, I need my schedule to vary. Mm -hmm. And now I understand why I did before. I was like, well, why can't I just do work for this time, break for this time and repeat. Now I understand my brain gets bored and it's like, no, we, we got to make it interesting. We got to switch it up. So I'm learning that that will probably be something I'll incorporate into my writing routine.
0: I love that. Yeah. I spent so long feeling exactly the same way. And, um, and I, I, I I frustrate myself because I'm one of those people who I just want nothing more than a routine. Like if I go to a city, I try to make a routine the day I get there. Like I'll, you know, go, I, I love that coffee shop. I'll go back there tomorrow. And I instantly get bored instantly. Um, you may choose to pass on this question. This is, and I can also delete it from the record of me asking, but have you considered medication and will I you
1: have? Yeah. So. I, when I first pursued the diagnosis, I was just curious. I Mm -hmm. actually was talking to a friend and I was trying to figure out some other mental health stuff. And I can't, still can't believe I said this. I said, I don't know what's going on with my brain, but I know it's not ADHD. And she (laughs) burst out laughing. She was like, girl, what are you talking about? Like, that would be the first thing that I would go check out. And I just was oblivious because I grew up being good at school. I was I'm great at school. Yes. Yeah. I, I missed all the signs. And so when I went to go get a diagnosis, I told the person, I was like, I'm not looking for medication or anything. I'm just curious about my brain. Well, now that I've done a lot of research about ADHD and the chemicals my brain does and doesn't have and all of the ways ADHD can kind of spill over in good and difficult ways into other areas of your life. Now I am interested in kind of pursuing that path and see what happens.
0: I recommend, I've tried a couple of different medications and never seriously until I was like 48, even though I literally got diagnosed when I was five or six before they even called it ADHD because I had some block. I did this with antidepressants in my past too. Like I just, I don't need them. I don't need that. (laughs) And then I finally found... It's it's called Rubefan here in New Zealand, but it's the same as Ritalin. And I just sit down and work. It doesn't it doesn't change who I am. It just allows me to work without a little bit like less pulling, literally touching my hair constantly. So yes, well I look forward to you exploring your writing process with those kind of iterations. So that's awesome. Good for you. Good for you. Proud of you. Um, what? So <laughs> let's get to actually the actually the first question. Finally getting there. What does your writing process look like on a on a non-routine day
1: oh this is a great question so um i am someone that really likes rituals which mm-hmm. is funny that's the one one routine like not routine but ritual stick but ritual like yeah. i like for it to feel right and maybe that's because i'm an enneagram four and a highly sensitive person like the aesthetic really matters to me yeah so i love to be somewhere comfortable i have to be alone Um, Or in a coffee shop with just like, you know, that constant background noise, which kind of feels like the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I love to make myself a cup of tea. And I've also realized I really love rereading a few pages of what I just finished writing to get back kind of into the feeling that Mm. I was experiencing before.
0: That's lovely. And actually very much echoes what I do. I've got my tea. I like to do my rereading, a little bit of touching, not really editing. But just like like remembering what the vibe is, What am I even trying to do? yeah, what are the what's the feeling here? Um, what is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing?
1: Oh, um, I love metaphors. I love lyrical language. I think that's why I love the hybrid of prose and poetry yeah. so much. Um, but my dear, dear sweet editor and agent are always like, Now, Ashley, we love your lyrical nature. However, (laughs) we just need one descriptor. (laughs) (laughs) But but four are so much better. And they mean different things when you put them together in a package. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny because I would say it's one of my strengths and challenges because it's one of the things that people tend to notice about my writing that they really like and that I personally really like, but I tend to go a little overboard.
0: That's lovely. That's lovely. What is your biggest joy when it comes to writing?
1: Oh, um, I have to say one of my favorite parts of the writing process and also one of my favorite parts of like kind of writing that first draft is the moments when the characters are so fully fleshed out that for lack of a better term, they have a mind of their own like you're wanting to take a story in a different place. And then there's that little part of your mind that says, well, that character wouldn't say that, or they wouldn't do that. They would do this instead. And to me, that's the like exciting moment of being like, oh, like I've created a world with a person and emotion here because they're on their own path. And I'm kind of along for the ride now. And I, that's probably one of my favorite parts.
0: You were driving and now you're in the passenger seat. Or the backseat, backseat driving where, um, so for me, I, my characters, they don't really come to life until the first draft is done. And I'm in at least the second draft. Whereas I have a friend who the characters come to her in her sleep before she's written a word and they drive the car the whole time. Where in your process do the characters start to come alive?
1: Oh, Um, so I have, uh, I guess an exercise for lack of a better term that I always do before I start a first draft because for me, um, the, the character's backstory and emotions are what is driving the entire plot forward for me. I'm a very like emotion-driven writer. So I always ask myself the question, like, what are my characters' greatest fear? And what's the lie they're telling themselves? Mm-hmm. And like, what's their greatest dream or desire? And so fleshing those out ahead of time kind of gives me like a a real sense of who they are. Um, I read a similar set of questions in a book, I think, when I was about writing when I was 14 or something. I think it was by Susan May Warren. Um, And I just latched onto those questions because it really brought my characters alive for me. But then, of course, by the time you're done with the first draft, the first draft always feels like telling the story to yourself for the first time. So I often feel like I don't 100% know them until I'm done with the first drafts. And I look back and go, oh, that's who you are.
0: (laughs) At that point, do you renegotiate those, the answers you came up with for those questions? Or do you even need to do that? I often renegotiate those those kinds of questions because I have similar questions.
1: That is a great question. So I have this weird tendency to... Write books based off of like big life questions that I have that I don't have an answer for. Mm. And I often don't fully find the answer until I'm finished writing it. So oftentimes it means that the characters are also in their own ways kind of pursuing the answer to that question. So because of that, they do change and shift a lot during the book. So I would say that often what happens the second time around, it's not so much that the details of what they went through have changed. My perspective of where it's leading is different because now I know where it's going and I can kind of just make those little tweaks as Mm -hmm. I go, knowing where it's headed. Mm -hmm. Whereas the first time, like we're all figuring it out at the same time.
0: (laughs) But I think that really lends for a beautifully nuanced character generation. You know, rather than going in and saying, I'm going to take this character from point A to point Z, you went off and, you know, Three or four dimensions and ended up at the planet that doesn't have a letter attached to it. You know what I mean? Like that way you get to follow them basically in real time and let them grow.
1: Yeah, I love that. I
0: I find that incredibly inspiring. You may have just done this, but can you share a craft tip of any sort with us?
1: Oh, yes. So, both the number one thing that I feel like I look for when I'm reading a book. And it's also my number one thing in my writing that for me is the mark of whether I've done something successfully or not is um, am I fully immersed in this scene? Like I am the character Mm. and whether that's, it doesn't matter the point of view, like you can do that whether in your unlimited third or Mm -hmm. normal third or first person or whatever. Like for me, it's not about point of view. It's about, I can tell that I'm seeing the world through this colored lens. And so for me, the the craft tip that I heard that really helps me is someone said, if you have two or three characters and they're all watching the same rainstorm, the three of them inside their heads are going to be viewing that same event completely differently.
0: So think about-
1: Yeah. Think about like, how would this person filter the world and then try to slip that into your writing and the reader will just feel it a lot more.
0: That is so beautifully said and so much harder done on (laughs) the page, but I can tell just by the language you're using, you are really a master at emotion and knowing the characters and, and showing that view and being immersed in the setting. How do you know when you Are fully immersed in the scene because that's something that I always struggle with.
1: Oh, goodness. Um, I definitely think it's easier when you're reading it, like reading someone else's work versus writing it. Because when you're reading, it's just this like magical fifth sense where you're like, oh, this is the one, and you don't know why, but it's just this extra special something. But then when it comes to your own writing, you're like, I'm the person that's supposed to create that somehow. (laughs) How do I do that? And for me, I've noticed that if I'm writing a scene and all of a sudden the scene is going faster in my head than I can type it and like I'm trying to catch up with it, usually when I go back and read that scene, I'm like, okay, I have something special here. And it might be raw and it might be messy and I might have to edit it a million times, but there's like an emotional core there. So I guess just like not being afraid to kind of let the emotion of a scene run away with you because you can refine it later.
0: I love that. And it made me think about just something that happened last night where I was trying to get into a book that everybody loves. And I had given, I don't know, I'd given it like half an hour, maybe 45 minutes. And I was just really like, why I should love this. Everybody loves this. And then I just decided to put it down and pick up a different library book. And I lost track of time. I'm in the scene. I was absolutely immersed in what I realized was happening to me. Now that you're saying that is I was immersed in the scenes of the second book. I never got immersed. I never got carried away. And I'm sure it carries other people away, but it's the same thing for our writing. When you go in and you lose control in a bit, you lose the ability to remain at a sedate walking pace. Maybe that's our tip that we are in the flow.
1: Gorgeous. Yeah. I would agree with that. (sighs)
0: What is the kindest thing that anyone has ever done for you in your writing career?
1: Oh, um, I'm a firm believer that sometimes the things that make the most impact on someone's life are the things that you'll never know. Um, And I definitely feel like that's been the case in mine. And uh, the thing that stands out to me is um, I, I went to the Vermont College of Fine Arts for Uh, MFA in creative writing for children Mm -hmm. and young adults and one of the things that they do there is every residency um every member of the graduating class gives their own lecture about something that is really meaningful to them that they've done research on or is related to their life it's so cool and I went to one I was probably I think I was 21 um and it was summer of 2018 I think and it was about grief in the writing process. And it was a person that I barely knew. I just seen them in passing. And they had poured their heart into this lecture. And it was more of they were just telling the story of their life and how it entwined with writing. And I just felt something tug inside me. And I was getting this realization that I have been writing around the story that I'm meant to tell for years. I've written my way around it in every way I can because I'm, I'm scared to write it. So the lecture finished and I slipped out and I ran to the little library on campus and went all the way down into the basement. And, you know, it smelled like musty old books and it was kind of dim. And I just started sobbing and I was like, I know what I need to do now because I've been holding this story of my own grief and love and have been trying to avoid it and write around it. But what I really need for myself and for the teenager that I was is to write through it. And that person was completely oblivious to the fact that they had made such an impact on anyone in the audience. But like I will always, always remember that as a big turning moment for my writing.
0: Have you ever told them? Have you ever reached out to them?
1: I actually did when I signed the contract for the Night Fox because that (laughs) ended up being the book was the Night Fox. Um, And I just tagged them in some sort of Facebook comment. And I was like, This is probably going to sound really weird to you, but without your lecture, none of this would have ever happened. And it was really cool because they were floored and they were like, I needed to hear that for it to circle back around to me because I'm avoiding writing about something that's really important to me now. And I needed my own advice to come back around to me to have that impact again, which I thought was really cool.
0: You have goosebumps. That is beautiful. And that is exactly what was meant to happen. That is gorgeous. And I am also glad that you told them. So what is the kindest thing that you've ever done for yourself as a writer?
1: Mm, um, well, right before I went to grad school, um, a pretty significant event had happened in my life that kind of turned everything upside down and kind of started a really, really intense like grief process and mental and physical health process that I'm still honestly going through now. But um, I felt so lost during that time. I had a really big question mark in my mind where I was like, I don't know if I can write still because I, everything I am as a human feels like it's been undone. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I know how to write anymore. Like, I don't know if I'm, if I'm capable of that anymore, but I didn't stop and I don't know why I didn't stop because the whole time I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, none of this feels right. I don't know what's going on, but I still just somehow felt the urge to process the unprocessable <laughs> mm-hmm. through actually specifically through poetry. I almost mm-hmm. wrote exclusively in poetry for a uh, free verse poetry for a long time. Um, And I feel like none of the, none of the ways that my writing has grown into what it is now ever would have happened if I had decided that I, I was right. And I just wasn't ever going to write again. So I'm grateful to myself for that, even though I don't know why I kept going, but I did. and Here I am.
0: (laughs) It seems like you are, you are very good at listening to your intuition, Mm. even when you don't maybe know why, but would you agree with that? You're kind of got a skill at that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would. I sometimes have a a hard time trusting that intuition, but when mm-hmm. it's strong enough, I'm like, okay,
0: <laughs> here we go. <laughs> yeah. And that gut, that gut knows the gut knows. So, oh, amazing. Okay. Well, uh, switching gears a little bit. What is the best book that you have most recently read and why did you love it?
1: Oh, okay. So, um, A year ago, back when um, my agent and I were getting ready to pitch The Night Fox, um, I was looking for what people in the industry call comp titles, which Mm -hmm. are titles that are similar to your book in some way that can help explain some of the things you really love or like about your book. And my problem was all of the books that I loved that I wanted to list were like five to 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't fly when you're looking for comp titles. They want to know how it's like, new and relatable and whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? So I started kind of on a reading journey just to see what was out there. And I came across um, the book, Watch Over Me by Nina LaCour. Mm. And um, it's a YA, magical Mm -hmm. realism with a lot of like really incredible nature elements in it. And it blew me away. It was like one of the best books I had read in like the last five years. And I still think about it all the time.
0: I'm so, going to run out and put it at the top of the TBR file. Thank you. That sounds exactly like my jam.
1: Highly recommend.
0: Thank you. Watch over me, Nina LaCour. LaCour.
1: Yep.
0: Perfect. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And will you please tell us about your book right now? Please tell us about The Night Fox.
1: Yes. So the Night Fox is YA magical realism, where the present is in prose and the past is in poetry. Mm. So the chapters alternate between the two. Um, and it's about a girl named Eli who is sent to this mysterious wilderness retreat in the mountains um for mental health recovery. Um, but she is struggling with grief after a really really complicated lost love basically and she is determined that she's not going to heal because she's not going to let go of this love that she's found um what she doesn't know is that the valley is magical and changes every time she goes out in it and that she will meet versions of herself past present and future Um, and yeah, so that's the Night Fox and I am so beyond excited for it to come out. It's coming out on October 10th of this year, actually with a new imprint of Penguin called Rocky Pond Books.
0: I saw that. I had never heard of that imprint. That's really exciting. Is it, is it a YA or is it a poetry prose imprint or what is that imprint doing?
1: It is really cool. I'm so excited. So, um, Lori Hornick, uh, who works with Penguin, used to be head of Dial Books for Young Readers for like 25 years or something. And she left Dial to start her own imprint under Penguin. (gasps) And it's specifically for children and young adults about mental health and social emotional learning.
0: (gasps) More Goosebumps. Oh, and were you working with her? Was she
1: your editor? Yep, she is my editor, which is incredible.
0: I love, most people listen to this. They don't watch the YouTube, but if anybody is watching the YouTube, your face just lit up when you said that, yes, she is my editor. (laughs) I worked with her. You got, what a vast amount of experience. And also she's going to have all of this passion and excitement about this new imprint of hers. That is so cool. Oh, okay. So it will be available in all fine bookshops. And where can we find you?
1: Great question. So I'm a little bit of everywhere. Uh, my main platform is on Instagram. You can actually find me at um, the handle is wild.thing.co. Um, when I'm not doing writing I also do pottery music visual art all sorts of other things so my name's Ashley Wilda but my artistic handle is wild thing company so that's my Instagram handle is wild.thing.co I'm also on Twitter and Facebook and TikTok and my website is ashleywilda.com I run a little poetry blog there so you can Mm. kind of find me everywhere
0: Thank you so much for being on the show. It was a delight to talk to you and may your book just fly from the shelves. So excited for you. Thank
1: you so much. This has been wonderful.
0: Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write?